Welcome to Actually Best Choice Movies, the world's only movie podcast. God damn it. Uh, my name is Chris Chafin. I'm one of the hosts. My name is Caleb Shively, uh, the other host who is now talking. Caleb? I'll finish talking, yeah. Oh, wait, are you finished now? Uh, now. Thanks so much for stopping talking, Caleb. Um, every week on Actually Best Choice Movies, we talk about two movies. One of them is old, one of them is new, and they fit together like um a, a quirky foreign independent movie and the academy awards would you say caleb i would say that the, uh but i don't know how uh accurate the word foreign is because that's what we're going to talk about a little interesting, bit interesting uh, both interesting. our movies are in the long line of british films at the oscars uh, there seems to be one every year which is you know fine uh they speak the same language as us well, yeah, it's as old as the Oscars. There's always been like Hitchcock and Laurence Olivier, two famous British people, were Oscar nominated in back then. And then you know, Oliver uh, won Best Picture. Tom Jones is a Best Picture winner. Chariots of Fire, Richard Attenborough's Gandhi. Uh, you know, there's a ton of these movies, and uh, we're going to talk about two. Do we should we say the two we're going to talk about? I would love to, Caleb. It's uh, this 2020s movie, The Father, uh, and then the oh gosh 2013 movie philomena those are both this week on actually best choice movies movies before we get to any of that we were just going to talk about the the concept right like the thing that connects these two movies right caleb yeah, I think originally we were just talking about because uh, we wanted to do The Father because it was the only Oscar movie we didn't do. Yeah, yeah, uh, and then yeah, I just, yeah. uh, it was like actually a short turnaround for us. I was like, oh, well, it reminded me of uh, Philomena just because it's a, a older established actor and a person that I love. Steve Coogan being in Philomena, Olivia Coleman being in The Father. They're both British comedians. But then like every year there's like a British movie, just like there's at least one uh, and I looked at it, and I'll start with Philomena, which was 2013. Also, I'm going to shout out to Wallace and Gromit, uh, big Oscar winners, short film they won for Best Feature. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Shakespeare in Love, King's Speech, you know what I'm talking about. There's always at least one, like Frost Nixon. Frost, was yeah, so these are both movies that, like, they're small, like, independent-ish British movies, and they've just... And they, and they get nominated for a huge amount of Oscars. Like yeah, Philomena is nominated for four Oscars, right? And yeah, Philomena is four. Uh, that was is six. Oh uh, yeah, uh, Philomena 2013. Uh, the next year was Theory of Everything, which won yeah, some Oscars sure, too. Yeah. Uh, the year after that, uh, the very British named movie uh, Brooklyn. Uh, isn't it weird that uh, Spike Lee gets to exist in a world where a movie called Brooklyn is about two? white pasty irish people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i suck um, it and it yeah. won a bunch of oscars uh, but then uh I, I completely forgot about this one uh but it stars uh dev patel and elizabeth moss was in it lion oh uh, yeah remember that one nicole yeah, kidman yeah. in it yeah I uh, that was good that. and then the next year you had a big budget one dunkirk but no there's still darkest hour with gary oldman in there <laughs> yeah didn't he win and a golden the, globe but, like for that part he won an Oscar for... Oh, he won the Oscar. That's right. He won the Oscar. Yeah. Jesus Christ. 
Uh, to a lesser extent, you had Phantom Thread, but that was a um, quite that was a director. that's a different story. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. the Phantom Thread is. I mean, it's a, very it's British movie. <laughs> it's a Paul Thomas Anderson yeah. movie, right? Uh, I mean, it's it's yeah, not, yeah. That's why I said lesser extent. Uh, but yeah, then the the uh, Bohemian Rhapsody somehow garnered enough to actually. I don't know. I don't want to talk about that. Uh, but yeah, and then 1917, I don't know if that counts as a smaller budget one, but that was the only one when I looked <laughs> that year I mean, to keep the street it's going. So, it's so weird, Caleb, this phenomenon that you're talking about, because these movies yeah. like uniformly are like, they're kind of cheap looking. They have a very small cast usually, and they're telling us, and they're just kind of like movies in this weird kind of like something you would watch on an airplane kind of way, you know? And like some mm-hmm. of them are good and some of them are like less good. But there is something about them that just captivates the Academy voter. I mean, I guess they are like things they saw on an airplane and they were like, yeah, I like that. And it's because it's British. It somehow it seems more like respectable. prestige to it. Yeah, but yeah it's just exactly. crap and from England. It's just crap from England. And it, yeah. it so does it cleans up here. Uh, there's probably more, but the like the we're talking about since we're talking about Filomino and then Shakespeare and Love also shot to my head. Those are both. Uh, Miramax or Weinstein companies. I I just wanted to get this out of the way before we don't have to talk about it anymore because I hate talking about Harvey Weinstein. But he was a major player at the Oscars and he did that a lot through force and uh, just getting his movie out in front of the right people and like kind of forcing Oscar nominations to an extent. So it's even just like, oh putting out that, uh, like milking out the story to get it. Like Like Philomena was told as like an underdog story, which we'll talk about a little bit as is why I got to Oscar. And they're like, look at this movie. It's a surprise. It's a surprise hit. There was uh, like, like, it was to, we'll hit play on, to hit play on Philomena and see the giant Weinstein company logo. I was kind of a mm-hmm. gut punch. I was like, oh yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, we should uh, make a promise to always try and look out for it. Maybe not <laughs> do any more. company movies. movies. Yeah. The, yeah. Or Mirror Max or stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, I did enjoy Philomena though. We could talk about it later, but it's not like, I, yeah. it's a good, it's a good movie. Talk. I mean, does it deserve yeah. to be nominated for four Oscars? I, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I, I actually, I do have a, I did have a note about that. Uh, but anyway, uh, but I mean, do you have any thoughts of your own on this phenomenon of why these British movies do so well here? Uh, I think we talked, covered it at all. I talked about the producers and also, you know, it is just like, it usually is just since it's one British film too, it's usually, there is some of, uh, the rising of the crop that like, they'll just like push at us so hard. Uh, like, Oh wait, this is the one this year. If you're going to watch one British film, here's that one you'll watch. So, uh, but anyway, I think it's it can, like, I don't know, sometimes it does suck with your Bohemian Rhapsodies, uh, which, you know, it's so easily marketable, had good music to it. Uh, but then you get every once in a while a really dark uh, one that like, holy shit, that's earth shattering. Like the movie we'll talk about now, <laughs> the, the Father. Father, Yeah. Do you want to move on to talk about The Father? I mean, yeah. Uh, if you have anything else to say. Well, I guess just thinking, you know, I have an interesting point of view on this, Caleb, having been, you know, for the last six years, I've worked for companies based mm-hmm. in the United Kingdom and I go to the UK a lot. And it is just interesting, like, because I think somehow people in America think of these things as like respectable media you know because they're british people doing it but i can't tell you the extent to which is just like normal pop culture garbage over there like it's just the kind of thing that has like a million million posters in the tube and like on the freaking bus stations and you know they're on all the chat shows or whatever and it's like it's just like pop culture stuff but it's just their accents like we are just complete dumbasses for this people with british accents it's really stupid um 
But yeah, other than that, I have nothing to say. So yeah, our first movie this week is The Father. Saw it in his eyes, didn't know who I was. It was like I was a stranger to him. Just did something to me. I don't know what she's cooking up against me, but she's cooking something up. What are you talking about, Dad? I'm not leaving my flat! I am not leaving my flat! This really is my flat. Isn't it? The Father is a 2020 film directed by Florian Zeller, which is adapted from a play of his, that he wrote, which is also called The Father, although that's in French. It's called Le Père. It stars Olivia Colman and Anthony Hopkins. It's a moving and unsettling portrayal of living with dementia that puts you in the mind of someone suffering from it uh, in a way I've never like nothing I've ever seen before, right? And it's a small British and French co-production with a total cast of like eight. But it's what we're talking about before, right? It's somehow it's um, completely crushing it at the Oscars. It has six nominations. It's nominated for Best Actor, Best Supporting Actress, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Editing, Caleb. <laughs> and, oh, I got us up to say, yeah. And then also <laughs> Best Picture for the Love of God, uh, which is, I, I mean... It's crazy in a certain sense, but it was a very like moving, challenging, uh, affecting movie that kept me like really interested and and unmoored, and it gave me a very special kind of terror that I it's uh, unique, you know, you know, or you, at least you don't see it that often. Uh, so I did like this movie a lot. Uh, what what did you think, Caleb? Uh, holy shit, was I moved? Uh, like rocked by this movie i loved it uh so it's a great reminder that movies and also movie stars can still surprise you uh just like structurally this movie in the way it's the screenplay is and then how an actor can lift material like performance wise i was just overall impressed and moved and yeah it's a full-on tragedy uh full of real life horrors and of all the tr- sad truth about dementia, something that's very common in uh, the world, the way that dementia can make a person unrecognizable to themselves and their family. And yeah, it just shows honest depictions of like the anxiety and confusion, the uh, like how someone yeah. can lash out with anger and like I mean, how they're paranoid all the time. It's just- and it's unflinching with that. And it's just so like the way they get in the headspace, which we'll talk about right now is just, whoa man <laughs> i mean yeah i mean maybe before that just like real quick you're talking about movie stars surprising you i mean you have to say the performance from anthony hopkins in this movie is like yeah yeah amazing it's there, amazing yeah. amazing amazing because the character is going through so many things anthony hopkins has to experience so many emotions and so and turn on a dime all the time as to how he's feeling and how he's behaving and uh, sometimes it was so cringy to look at him on on the screen. Ugh. He was behaving like so embarrassingly, and it was like, oh god, it made me feel awful. But it's like such yeah. such a good performance. Yeah, Hop- Anthony Hopkins by sheer presence alone, by just casting Anthony Hopkins, by having the great oh god, yeah. Hannibal Lecter on screen, like it gives him, it gives his character's actually name is Anthony, so I refer to him as Anthony. It gives Anthony an air of dignity, and he shows. Uh, like I believe the fight and struggle is in this man and, and within Anthony to fight against his dementia. And you do see him fight and struggle against it, but also like it's so overwhelming there. And so with that career earned sophistication and he is acting like slowly peels away. He shows a character who is do- actually devoid of that <laughs> sophistication, a man who is losing his uh, mental facilities 
and I don't know, just to get into it, like the stories blur and all his memories are fuzzy. Like there's a lot that they do in this movie uh, that maybe they're kind of tricks too, but you know, they do a lot of these tricks, but the reality of his mental state is never lost. Like characters react to his, to that state accordingly enough. Yeah. Well, just uh, to be like, we're just little... so in his, yeah, we're just so in his viewpoint that we're lost in this movie. It's very disorienting. Yeah. So to just, I mean, I don't feel like this is a spoiler, but basically what's happening is it's a movie about someone who has dementia, but you're seeing things from their point of view. And eventually you as the viewer figure out like that what he's seeing isn't really happening from the way other people are reacting to him. But it's like, given what he is experiencing, he is acting completely rationally. Like, yeah. because it'll be like somebody has a bag. Uh, somebody says to him like, oh, I'm going to take the chicken into the kitchen. And then he goes in the other room and sits down and he says like, how's, how's the chicken going? And they're like, dad, what are you talking about? There's no chicken. He's like, what are you talking about? You just told me there was a chicken. Yeah, you I think know. you have to offer a couple of examples to like really show how fucking amazing this movie is. Uh, like it's with casting and dialogue contradictions to uh, uh, and even like the, the, the flair design. Uh, I think you mentioned it got a production design Oscar nomination because they just do subtle tricks with yeah. that. Uh, with changing so like, the space because uh, it's like his memories mm-hmm. slipping and the spaces are kind of slipping into each other. And they yeah. never explain it and you have to like learn it as an audience, yeah. but also like you're lost too. Like it's purposely trying to put you it's disoriented. In, yeah. The, the father approaches the subject of dementia with like this immersive approach. Uh, so like you're seeing all like the confusion and like you're lost as well. And I think like lesser movie about dementia, like whenever it's like, Oh, it's Anthony Hopkins, a dementia movie with his daughter and it's called the father. Like, yeah, I was exactly. expecting like, a tearjerker. Exactly. It's not this at all. It's a hammer to the forehead. It's not showing so you, creative. Like, it's so creative. Yeah. It's not showing you like, here's a lesson to learn. It's more, here's a situation and here's how people react to it. Yeah. And that is dark. I mean, I don't know, Caleb, if your own family history, but my, someone in my extended family, it would have went through something like this and it it's awful. It's off. It's so hard for everyone. Listener. Uh, if you don't have a constitution for it or don't know much about it, like, I don't know. I feel like people who have dealt with it are probably going to recognize a lot of something that's going to be moving or like people mm-hmm. who aren't fully uh, have dealt with uh, a family member with dementia. They're going to be like, holy shit, that's what it's like. Uh, yeah. And I don't know, like there's like, we could just like say up all the tricks, which he, he I did read that he did. Uh, Florian Zeller did do in his play. He uh, staged it that way, which makes me want to see this play. That sounds like a cool thing to do. How he like switches actresses or. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So this uh, is the thing too. The like kid- that. It's basically like Anthony Hopkins living with his daughter and his daughter's husband. And, but during the play, during the movie, they are different, particular different actors. They're in different spaces. Like their circumstances are different, you know? So, but it, it's, it's very disorienting. Like you're saying for the viewer too, because you don't, yeah, like we don't know you don't know it's actually, on. yeah. 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 Uh, they, like, we, like then they just cut to with seconds later, like, Oh, they're actually divorced. And like, yeah, it's just so, Purposely disordering. And then that's where uh, you alluded to uh, <laughs> the, uh, so this, this, the editing of it is what I wanted to talk about a little yeah. bit too. I ha- yeah. Do, so, do, you, uh, Caleb, editing, do you have anything to say about the yeah. editing of this movie? <laughs> so, so editing in essence is pace. Uh, and this movie is editing to show Anthony's uh, state of mind, uh, which is, you know, always hard to do in a movie, but you're shifting points of view to show how he can get confused 
like they cut sometimes cut to the daughter and her just storyline of like her whole life falling apart because of this situation uh and like the way they uh the editing uh will just show how dialogue is repeated over and over again and it just like slows down and makes it mundane at points and then it just speeds it up when it's like more emotional uh I mean, that's a lot of working. I mean, that's what editing is like working with your production design on like showing the space, uh, working with your director to like show the emotion. And it's uh, interesting to read that uh, when I read about it, that uh, Anthony Hopkins actually gave them a lot of takes to do. Like he went really big on certain scenes on purpose just so they can design uh, the movie off of all the footage they gave him, which oh, is, you know, yeah. fucking awesome acting too. It's like, oh, uh, we have so much to do and so much to work with and can think about this movie more in depth because yeah, uh, so a different... great lead performance just gave us so many things yeah. to think about here. I mean, cause, and also certainly means the editing is more important than anything because it's like they put off making any decisions mm-hmm. on the during the writing and during the shooting and then <laughs> and during the editing. You, it has to be something. Yeah, you know? and it is like messing with time and it's very purposeful cuts in the editing because you have to do that. Uh, and the editor's name is Yorgos Lamprinos, not to be confused with Lorgos oh, Lanthimos. I did yeah. almost confuse at first. I did a double take, but it's Lamprinos, who's also uh, Greek. Uh, but yeah, the present is the past. It's impossible to parse out this movie. Uh, yeah. You're just trying to showcase the mechanics of a I mean, deteriorating mind. It's hard it to do. It did put yeah. me in mind of that movie that we keep not talking about. Uh, I'm thinking of ending things in the way that oh yeah, yeah yeah it's the way that things are different from one scene to the next without any real explanation i mean obviously it's not as far in that yeah. way as i'm thinking of ending things which yeah, is a little more like cartoony was, almost or you know more fanciful yeah. uh in this uh in its darkness <laughs> where it just takes like a more artistic poetic approach to uh you know death and dying yeah. where this is just like here's some fucking reality we're gonna it's hit rough, you slap you in the dude. face yeah, it is really rough it's rough uh like Within like this movie like starts off too right away like like you get like a very uh, conversation between uh, the great Olivia Coleman and Anthony Hopkins we're just like oh man gloves are off already and yeah. then it just like you're in this mood already and this I was like z- zoned in from the first second I was I didn't expect that to happen and yeah I was pleasantly my first note uh, is like. Yeah. I love seeing Anthony Hopkins do this five minutes in, <laughs> you know, you just immediately are like thrown into this amazing scene with Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Coleman. And it's like, yeah, like you're saying, it's so fucking riveting. It's so unexpected. Everything that's happening is so unexpected. And I, I mean, I know I already said all this stuff, but it's just the things that Anthony Hopkins is doing things in this movie there. It's, you know, very like unselfconscious, like, because he's letting himself appear like, repulsive in a certain way if you know what i mean yeah 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 and he's so he's doing all these things like he's having all these mannerisms he's being so like sorry saying so cringy and uh i just think there's something masterful about being so like willing to be like any uh, like pathetic and there, there's a scene where he's just mm-hmm. like he's he's like sitting there and he always listens to this one cd and then he it starts skipping and he like sits up and he like wipes off the cd Something about that was so sad to me. It was like, he just looked like such a weird old person. You know, it was very, very convincing. I mean, to just even acknowledge the fact that you are super, super old, like, and you are on yeah, the verge death. of death. Like, you know, that's brave in and of itself. Like he could keep playing movies where he's like making out with people or something, you know, like. 
Yeah, he was like in Thor, and I think he was in a Transformers movie. Exactly. But no, exactly. Should, like, Anthony Hopkins really does like, a lot of garbage, in all honesty. <laughs> hey, he's earned the right to just get a fucking paycheck. I mean, to, he of uh, course do, has bring earned, a Shakespearean air to of it. Of yeah. course, he has earned the right to do that. Like, yeah. but I, but you know, just the fact of Anthony Hopkins being in a movie doesn't mean it's going to be good. You know. Yeah, uh, but he brings a fastball to this one. Oh it is God, like amazing. Uh, his character Anthony. It's like you see him be kind of aware but also not fully embracing that that he is aware that there is something wrong with him uh yeah. and so that's the struggle that you keep seeing but then like you're seeing it and i call it a struggle but he's losing it like he's losing that struggle <laughs> and the more he like kind of struggles with it like you kind of root for him but also like you know he's not winning and i think yeah. uh they do a nice st- job with uh, olivia coleman to like portray that this exact frame of mind that she knows that yeah. She's losing uh, her father here. Yeah, and there's is... nothing she can do about it. And that's so it's sad. It's so sad. Oh my God, it's so sad. And they're just trying so hard to be like patient with him, but they're also like mad at him so much because he's acting so yeah, crazy. And it's just... because he's like lucid-ish. Like you can have a conversation with him. It's just that he doesn't understand like what's happening outside of the, just the two of you talking. Like he doesn't like have any other facts about the world, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, so it's frustrating because you almost feel like you can get through to him, but you can't, you know? And so they're mad at him so much. And be, and the fact that he doesn't, he doesn't have any context for anything means he's often acting like very inappropriately, or he's like mad at somebody when he should be being nice to them or, you know, and he's getting confused yeah. and angry at people about things. But what the movie does a good job of doing is because you're seeing things from his point of view. Yeah, you're seeing like why he's confused. Uh, like, you understand uh, why he's a, being so confused and angry, right? Uh, there's a great example of like uh, they keep alluding to uh, a, a daughter that's not there anymore, which they they do reveal more as it comes along. It's just pieces they put out, and then you have to bring it all together. And his daughter's name is Lucy, and then uh, I think that and this is I'm saying I think because I'm not 100 percent sure uh, that the caregiver that he comes with and that he keeps picturing as his uh daughter who's no longer with him and so when he f- comes out of that it's just like a total mind fuck for not only him but for the audience as well yeah we're just like whoa man because he keeps and, going uh, oh you look so much like lucy and then eventually yeah. she like doesn't look like lucy anymore and yeah. you're like oh uh, and i was like is this just... person even real like i don't know <laughs> yeah there was like that too uh they do a, a, a fun casting thing where they uh it's olivia coleman in the first scene and then there's a, ne- a later scene where the, I think the very next time they show her, it's uh, they switch the actresses to Olivia Williams, who uh, does yeah. in real life get confused for uh, <laughs> Olivia yeah. Coleman. Uh, Olivia Williams uh, from I think her Rushmore is probably Rushmore, yeah. This movie. yeah. She's the hot teacher. Uh, she's in tons yeah. of stuff, yeah. Yeah, um, but she's great in it, and then she plays other parts as well throughout the movie, mm-hmm. uh, different people, and um, the she's the, credited as woman at the end of the, in the, woman, I, I, yeah. I read the yeah. So this yeah. is actually one of the things I liked about it being a nerd was the person who's credited as man, who's another person that appears throughout the movie in several different parts, is Mark Gaddis, who's like he was a writer on Doctor Who, and then he co-created oh, Sherlock cool. with. Uh, Stephen Moffat and uh he had they cast him in Sherlock he has like a part in Sherlock but I just always think it's oh, funny cool. when he shows up in something that's cool yeah he's uh yeah uh yeah there's just he plays a kind of a monster in this movie too he's kind of but a like monster, yeah. there's a marriage falling apart and like there is a reason why the marriage is falling apart is because she's spending too much time 
and the dad's what dementia is, is like yeah, that bad. It's really bad. So like you can understand, but like you don't like it. And it's yeah. rough too because they're so it's basically yeah, Olivia <laughs> Coleman and her husband, and they're fighting and. You know, the husband is just saying, like, we need to put him in a facility. Like, he's too, you know, he's too far gone. He doesn't get it. And Olivia Coleman is like, I couldn't ever. And you, at this point, having seen the movie from Anthony Hopkins' point of view, you're like, no, he's right. Like, he is yeah. right. He does need to go into a facility. Like, yeah. this is he is not in touch with reality at all. And I will say, uh, Olivia Coleman, uh, always an actress I've never not loved on screen. Like, She's everything, I, time I see her, I just like, oh, cool. So... And she like really carries that whole subplot and just is a true supporting role. Like she's just doing supporting acting against a, a wonderful yeah. Anthony Hopkins performance. So a well-deserved uh, Oscar nomination, uh, kind of rooting for, I, I, I kind of rooting for the <laughs> bothered hell Oscars. I am too. I am too. I mean, well, certainly Anthony Hopkins should definitely win the Oscar. I mean, I don't know I, who is he up against. Let's, let's, let's take a, go to the books look at the Oscar Don. Which I'm googling right now. Uh, I was gonna say it's Daniel Kaluuya, but he is for supporting. Okay, 2020s nominations. Oh, I'm so looking. it is Anthony Hopkins for the father. We got uh, our great. We love Stephen Yuen in Minari. Stephen Yuen in Minari. Gary Oldman. What is Gary that Oldman for? Mank, which, Mank, uh, Mank, He's good in Mank. It's a fun performance and good for him. Just like Chadwick Boseman. Uh, I like Chadwick a lot in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Very live wire. Oh, Riz is so good in Sound Metal, too. It's actually a pretty awesome Oscar. Pretty good one. <laughs> what are the odds of it going to Chadwick Boseman, Chadwick Boseman just as like kind of a, you know, in memoriam oh, thing? very high. Very high, I think, right? Yeah. Like very, very high. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially since he didn't get nominated for The Five Bloods, which they thought he might get a double dip. Uh, yeah, it's very high. He's great in that movie, too. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Yeah. I have heard good uh, things. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's really good in this movie. I would say my least favorite is Gary Oldman and Mank, but he was still very fun and watchable in that movie. Haven't seen it. Haven't seen Mank. Fuck, I don't even know. Uh, Like the young upstart punk rock pick is Riz. Well, (laughs) sure, of course. And then I would say the number two pick is like uh, Steven Yuen, like... I would say right now for me, it's between like two immersive roles in immersive movies where Riz is is playing a deaf man and he has to like do a lot of physical acting there and Anthony Hopkins playing a man with a bitch. I feel like Anthony Hopkins odds are pretty good. I feel like they're pretty good. You know what? So, uh, this movie did just come out in theaters on Friday, uh, last Friday. Uh, so we could call it a 2021 movie because that's still eligible for us. It was listed as a 2020 movie where on like Wikipedia or something, I guess just cause it was premiered at the Venice film festival or something, you know? Yeah. Let's for, Actually, best choice reason call it 2021. 2021. But yeah, okay. uh, yeah, just hit the theaters and on demand, which were, were uh, I believe Chris watched it as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah no, I haven't gone yeah. to a theater yet. <laughs> Although I was just saying, like, it's looking it's, um, all things going well that I will be vaccinated corner. by like May, and so the end of by like mid May, yeah. like I, theoretically, I I could like go to a movie theater. Yeah, fourteen days after last vaccination. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I think this, the word of the father is probably going to start hitting. Maybe if everyone shares this podcast with a friend. Yeah. It's great, dude. Everybody yeah. should check it out. It's I one of those it really things is. I heard about. It got so many nominations and I'm like, what the fuck is that? And like you're saying, you see, it's the father, Anthony Hopkins, Olivia Coleman. You're like, oh yeah, it's going to be some dumbass like tearjerker or something. It's not like you said, it's not, not at, at all. all. It's not at all. It's so much better than that. Yeah, and uh, the script written by uh, Florian Zeller, too, is just so purposely written to, like, have these tricks or have these uh, 
uh, it's purposely written that you can't keep track of it. So it's like, it's never, it's not a linear movie. Like sometimes like movie like this kind of pay off and like, Oh, impressive wave. Like the way this pays off is just like sadness. Pretty sad. The way it pays <laughs> yeah. off is that it's really sad. Uh, and that's the point. Like it never makes sense. And that point is the emotion of going through a family member with dementia. And yeah, it really is it hard. <laughs> awful stuff, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I do think it should win editing for those reasons I mentioned before, even though I do like the editing of Sound of Metal. And I would say Promising Young Woman had some fun editing. It's just like loud editing. It was just loud editing. I don't know, Caleb. I'm worried about these Oscars. I don't know. I think there's some crazy shit in here. I think think the results of the Oscars are going to be nuts this year. Yeah, I don't care <laughs> like like isn't emerald is emerald fennel nominated for best director yeah yeah, yeah. She, i think she might win i think she might i think win. it's gonna be Zhao. she's gonna win i think the precursors are pointing to chloe Zhao. okay that would be great i mean that would be great yeah. too that would be great too <sighs> but yeah um i do like other movies that have dementia to, to the segue to other movies about <laughs> do dementia. you want to talk about this other one no no uh, about dementia oh I'm yeah saying. sure um, there's a movie that came out just last year called uh, relic uh, and it really just plays a, a, a lot of the horror aspects of it. And then there actually is like a weird family heritage uh, body horror scene too at the end. It's really cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God, uh, I, I hate like that. that. I hate body horror. Oh, yeah, that's the worst cool. kind of horror. I, uh, I, I, I live that. in my body. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, Amore, I think, is the gold standard. Uh, I was reminded of Amore uh, from Michael Haneke. Oh, uh, you know, haven't seen it. Also, I haven't seen uh, it. I really Oscar wanted nominated. I didn't know if yeah. I was strong enough to see it. You know, maybe yeah, I did see it. God, I don't remember now. I don't it's more of like a, a just an older couple who won yeah. the other. Uh, not like frilly or wonderfully uh what's the word uh substantialized it's just more straightforward and it's a love story it's great um <laughs> uh, and i don't think this is dementia but i just thought of this movie too i'm watching it uh, marjorie prime oh uh, what is that one that's the one uh, with Mar- john ham is that what i would say he, i would give that man a second bit like behind my homegirl lois smith uh wow, so yeah uh sure. so yeah it's also based off a of play but yeah it's about lois smith who's this older lady and she just has a a hologram uh, for the visitor, and like it turns out, it's her husband, and that's John Hamm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like it's about her mental state, and like uh, her family, her kid, her kid Gina Davis plays her daughter, comes and like breaks it down a little bit. But yeah, it's a little bit like trick. I I really liked that movie. I, I need to watch it again. Uh, but yeah, John Hamm's I don't think it might be his best movie. I don't know his best movie role is yeah and he hasn't been in a lot of really good movies i mean he's been in some fun movies but i wouldn't say he's been in a lot of like good yeah yeah he's great in bridesmaid that's just good well okay yeah that's that's probably his best movie (laughs) well you know that's i don't know i'll give it up for marjorie pram which has like a even like a little sci-fi too but uh yeah michael levy did the music just a cool movie that's cool caleb do you want to move on to talk about uh, speaking of other movies speaking of other movies that exist um do you want to talk about this other movie yeah Tight. Phil- I'll say its name now. Philomena. I was going to ask if it would be possible not to use my real name when you write the story. What about Anne Boleyn? That's a lovely letter. Well, somebody had that. Think, we're going to have to use your real name, Philomena. I only want to know if he's all right. Perhaps these older nuns would help us with some of the details. I don't think that's going to be possible. Why not? You're a journalist. I used to be. Martian's a Roman Catholic. Yes. Well, no, I used to be. My guess is that Anthony was adopted and sent to America. I think I would like to go. Stephen Frears, a director known for depicting real-life events with bold characterization, 
takes the real-life story of a woman searching for a child she gave up nearly 50 years ago and turns it into a mismatched feel-good buddy picture that both condemns and forgives the Catholic Church. Uh, Philomena, as played by Judy Dench, is a romance novel loving, quote, daft old lady who is finally coming to terms with the fact that she had a son at a young age, then was forced to live at a convent where nuns gave her child away to an American couple. She is aided in her search by recently terminated from the BBC journalist Martin Sixsmith, played by Steve Coogan, who begrudgingly is coming to terms with the fact that he's doing human interest stories now. Along their journey, Martin acts the snobbish and Philomena plays the naive, but the real grist of the mismatched duo lies in how each reconcile faith in the face of an organized religion's misdeeds. Phil, a Catholic in crisis, and Martin, the atheist observer. Uh, written by uh, Steve Coogan and Jeff Pope, uh, Philomena was nominated for Best Picture, Best Actress, Best Original Score, and for the Adapted Screenplay. Chris... Thoughts on film. Thoughts on film. Hey, Caleb. That's the alternate name of the podcast. And we should just change Thoughts that. On film. Thoughts on film. What did I think of Philomena? I, you know, it, I was a movie I didn't want to watch for some reason. I think, again, like what you we were saying um, about The Father, about it, just kind of it seeming on its face, like not that great. And uh, I, so this movie, I would say, is not at the level of the father, but it, no. it it's it's like a movie you it, it's like a movie you would watch on an airplane, like a hundred percent. But it's just like a little bit better than that. Like <laughs> you know, I would say it's just a hair's breadth better than a movie you want to watch on the airplane. Um, like oh, the spy who dumped me. That was a really popular movie on airplanes in my anecdotal evidence. Like <laughs> a movie that just like, it just goes and there's some cute lines and there's something that keeps you interested in what's happening. Okay, that is basically what this is, but it's just elevated a bit by, yeah. by Steve Coogan's performance is really good. Judy Dench's performance is really good. Mm -hmm. Like Steve Coogan obviously wrote the screenplay, so he's writing to his strengths, which is like he's just being a pathetic, snobbish asshole, which is like that's yeah. what he's been doing for like 30 years. You know, he's really good at that. Um, so that's his character, Martin Sixsmith, who not to quibble with your introduction, but he was formerly at the BBC. Then he was a minister in the government of Tony Blair. And then he oh. was like unceremoniously forced to resign because of like right, some kind of right, right. scandal, resign, yeah. but it wasn't really a scandal. Some like email that he sent. Um, oh yeah, they did. They do reference that in the they film do too. That. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was, yeah, it's kind of funny in the film. It's, but, yeah. it's pretty, it's, it's, but this is again, so this should be like a dumb joke, right? But it, it's done pretty well in the movie and Steve Coogan is doing it. I mean, this is Alan Partridge that you're watching. You yeah, know what I mean? Like it's yeah. Two good performances elevating, you know, it's middle brow film with fun banter. Yeah. Great performances. And really at its center, uh, it, it's kind of like a sharp poignant thing. Uh, like it's nice and pleasant throughout, but there are moments in this movie that like, or like two, you know, like those lump in the throat moments, like, Ooh, like they, yeah. that's, it hits you a little differently. Uh, it's, uh, so it's uh, not, we're going to spoil the movie. Sorry, everybody. Uh, so at that, I should go in order. I guess this is an order. I have them down. Uh, Towards the end of the movie, like, these just two follow big, your heart, like, Caleb. Just follow your heart. It just you know. builds to like these, like we're spending time with these people, and then it just hits you with these two moments and the reveal of uh, her son, who act like she's like a dead end. Her son's dead, and she's uh, found a way to like talk to his uh, partner, and his partner reveals that the uh, son has been in I Ireland. 
uh, this whole time. And it's just like, holy shit. Like, we just went through this whole movie yeah. and, like, these people are lying to her. Yeah, and That's, you like, know as the viewer that, yeah, some of these people have been lying to her, like, really meanly, that means. And they've been on like, this really wild goose chase. And you really <laughs> and feel for them. Actually, yeah, right. I, I agree. Yeah, and then uh, at the end of the movie, like, where uh, Steve Coogan Martin actually confronts the nun, uh, like, it's pretty funny. He says, if Jesus was here, he'd tip you over that fucking wheelchair. Uh, like his big yelling scene and it's like oh whoa it's kind of like feels good a thing but then Philomena who's actually the purpose for this movie looks at her and forgives the nun for all this yeah. and just like holy shit that's just good <laughs> but you know what in in like Christian talk like that is actually like a big fuck you right that she says I forgive you and that's because it's like such a power move you know it is yeah but also like the way they handle it too like she's a little bit mad at uh, Martin Steve Coogan there too oh yeah she's like really mad at, at him yeah yeah, she's like, look at you, you're angry. I was like, I don't want to be angry. I don't want to have hate. It's just a, like good Judy. It's like, great. Here's how, here yeah. are the lines. She says, like, I don't want to be yeah, like you full of hate. And he goes, I'm angry. And she goes, must be exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, so yeah. good. Good. It's good writing, dude. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. It's good writing. It's also like for the most of the rest of the 80%, 90% of the movie, just pretty funny. Like it's pretty funny. They like, have good- is definitely. Yeah, they have good Steve banter, Coogan. you know. Yeah, yeah. definitely. There's a he's really a comedic f- ringer. He's one of the all time funniest people. I mean, he's not uh, even a ringer. It's like you know, it's like having Steve Martin in your movie or something. Yeah, like, he's just and one of the all time talented comedic mm-hmm. performers. <laughs> and uh, if I do have a quibble, which you know we do have quibbles, course, yeah. like you said, it's like middle brow. Uh, like it is a lot of poking fun at Philomena herself. Like she's like Judy Dunst is so good, but she's like very overtly kind, and she's like being impressed by look at the portions of american food oh, or like yeah. she's, she's just like a lack of worldly she's knowledge. like you're from mexico you yeah. must love nachos it's mm-hmm. <laughs> just like pretty funny like uh like one that i kind of liked but also just like are you for real with this like they're in washington dc they're at their hotel room and uh like do you want to go walk out I was like no i actually just saw this preview for big mama's house uh do you want to watch that instead so like she's so naive that she wants to watch Big Mama's house. I'm like, that's kind of funny. And this but is also, the, what the hell? And this is the whole thing is Stephen Steve Coogan is supposed to be like he's a snob and Philomena's yeah. such a rube and Steve yeah. Coogan is always trying to be classy and she's always being low class. He's sophistication. And eventually like, they get to the point where he's like, Let's go look at the Lincoln Memorial. And she's like, Or we could watch Big Mama's house. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And the screenplay just had a lot of those, like, yeah, jokes. Uh, but that, I, I don't think that the patronizing of the character doesn't really affect Judy Dutch's performance. Like there's a hundred percent just a real warmth and tenderness that just comes across and that's just good acting. Like it's just, holy shit. I, I you know, we just feel for me like she's went through this horrible thing in her life. She's now coming to terms with it. And like, she has all this repressed uh, feelings of guilt, which, you know, every Catholic probably does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and then, but she still comes off as just a very warm, affable character. And like, I don't know, she stands up to Martin a lot. Like she lets him know what she thinks. She tells him, calls him a fucking idiot, idiot at times. <laughs> and she roots a lot of her uh, open-mindedness about stuff. Like she's very open-minded about her son, finding out her son's gay and uh, a lot of other things. And she roots that in her sexual fling from her teenage years, which resulted in his Birth. conception yeah. of, yeah. Uh, so I think that was like just a nice little touch of the screenplay to just always root to have that have her be a uh, kind of a worldly person in a very like surprising manner too. Well, and there's also this whole thing towards the end where they find out she's gay. They find out that her son was gay, mm-hmm. and she doesn't even react. And she asks something, some kind of. She asks a woman if if 
she was or she asked a woman if her son ever had kids and they're like oh no no Philomena they said he's gay and she's like oh yeah I always knew he was gay and you're like what and you know they do say they're like what are you talking about what do you mean you knew he was gay and she was like oh he's very sensitive (laughs) sensitive any more dungarees more dungarees yeah (laughs) and but it is I mean as much as it's like a dumb joke it is also being like slightly more worldly than you might think a character like this would be. And that's what kind of keeps you on your toes a little bit is like, she does things that are, you know, she surpasses your expectations sometimes. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this movie is definitely a crowd pleaser. And I was sure surprised it made a hundred million dollars on a $12 million budget. So yeah, that's why I said they positioned this movie as a sleeper success and it got word of mouth enough to get, for Oscar nominations. I mean, Oscar nominations for Steve Coogan, I'm not going to say that anything that that's he, he bad. Got a sc- he's an Oscar nominated screenplay writer. Oscar nominated <laughs> screenwriter, Steve Coogan. Like, that's pretty I did wild. notice that this movie was PG-13, and they do say the F word a couple times, uh, and they actually had to go to court to petition it to be a PG-13 movie. Oh, really? Which is fine. It's a very simple, sweet movie, and it probably helped with making that $100 million Yeah, as right, well. that I'm a bunch of people, uh, children. But also point out it. that the father is a PG-13 movie. Is it really? Too, yeah. Oh my... <laughs> they don't really swear. There's nothing really like just I a real, real movie. Yeah. yeah, it's just, yeah. So I guess <laughs> it's, it's, wild. Much, it's cool that preteens <laughs> can go see it. <laughs> yeah. Take your whole uh, junior high class. To oh the, my God. We all went to go the see fun. The Father. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, one of the best PG-13 movies oh ever. God, that's like some shit I would have done when I was 13. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we were talking about the Oscars. So this was 2013 Oscars. And like four nominations, that's nothing to sneeze sneer at. Yeah. Multiple nominations for a movie. That was kind of a stacked Oscar year too. Was it really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, 12 Years a Slave was the best picture winner. And that's you know a phenomenal movie yeah. of nominations. Uh, a lot of the technical stuff, and well as some acting and uh, best picture for Gravity, was gravity yeah uh, i mean people kind of act like that movie was a gimmick and they like act like it's stupid that everybody liked it i mean i haven't rewatched it but what can you say i watch i think we talked about this i like i watched it and i had an emotional response you know like yeah what can you say you know i think it's underrated yeah it's a gimmick but like gimmicks work yeah exactly <laughs> that's why they exist yeah. is because yeah. they work uh and yeah i think sam looks really good in it but yeah uh cinematography is amazing in the movie but yeah uh blah 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 the uh, effects the, the of- effects in that yeah. movie are amazing a movie that didn't win any Oscars, I don't think, off the top of my head. But Wolf of Wall Street, I thought, my, one of my favorite movies of that year. But yeah, Martin Scorsese, fun movie. He had a big Oscar player. Very uh, popular Club. with the uh, meme accounts I follow on Twitter. Oh, sure. On yeah, just Instagram, a, yeah. Solid, solid movie. Uh, my actual favorite Oscar-nominated movie that year for Best Picture was Nebraska, which people couldn't think about that. I really liked Nebraska. <laughs> I thought it was very good quiet movie you had dallas buyers club and her both oscar winners both uh people both very good movies i I like both those movies a lot probably my favorite movie from that year that wasn't nominated for best picture i think it got like cinematography nomination uh inside lewin davis love that movie oh was that from this year too yeah i might have got pushed out for a best picture nomination from philomena that's crazy yeah, not that's crazy, movie. dude. That is 100% movie. crazy. Because this movie, like I'm saying, it is. It's just like some crap you would just have on kind of a yeah. movie. You know, and it is, but mm-hmm. it is It is a little bit better than it has a right to be. It's a little bit better, yeah. And uh, get the screenplay's fun. It's quite a cool screenplay nomination. And yeah. And it's, it's shot, I would say it's shot pretty well. Mm-hmm. Like there's multiple scenes 
that where they are out and somewhere beautiful for basically no reason. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's just a commitment to inter- keeping the viewer entertained. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like I said, it's a mismatched buddy comedy. And that's pretty cool. Mismatched buddy comedy. Steve Coogan and Judy Dench. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. The scene where she they're riding on one of those little golf carts in the airport and she tells him the entire plot of the romance novel yeah. she's reading. It's really cute and funny, you know? Yeah. And that's weird that that's an Oscar nominated movie. Yeah, it doesn't uh, seem like it would yeah. be, right? <laughs> you know? Because like, it's not like it was like a sensation. Like it was so popular. It was like, no, it was nominated for a bunch of Oscars. Yeah, yeah. Hey, power of Harvey Weinstein. I know that Rest Weinstein peace. company. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Um, I will say uh, I it's a very trick league score like very uh soft and you know uh uh, what it needs to be playful it's playful and it needs to be uh sweeping and emotion it just gets really quiet and like girls and it's uh alexander desplat who is just very good at those types of scores uh this was his uh he was nominated for an oscar too Uh, it was his fifth overall nomination he would win finally the following year for his first oscar for grand budapest hotel Mm. uh which he beat out his own. He was nominated twice that year. He beat out Imitation Game, which he did the score for. Another uh, English movie. And won a bunch of Oscars or was nominated yeah. for a bunch yeah. of Oscars. No, he won. Yeah, but, but like, didn't Eddie Redmayne win for that movie? Uh, that was that was Theory of Everything. Theory of Imitation Everything. Game's the Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, one. right, 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 right. Sorry. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Alexander Desplat uh, just makes very inoffensive, fun scores. He does a lot of Wes Anderson's movies. Uh, two Oscar wins, nine nominations. Wow, crazy. Yeah. Uh, so Caleb, like, let's say you had to pick one of these two movies, or uh, you were going to violently forget everything you knew about your life. Ooh. You know, which of these would you pick? It's kind of easy. It's the father, uh, and it really is it's a lot of the afterglow too. But I did come off of watching Philomena and being like, "Huh, I think I'll never watch this movie again." <laughs> which is nothing against uh, Philomena. Uh, it's a good, pleasant enough movie, but like. There were plenty of other movies I watched. Like, oh, I saw it twice now. I don't need to see Philomena anymore in my life. Oh, if I want to watch Steve Coogan movie, I got Alpha Papa sitting right there for me. What is that? What is Alpha Papa? Oh, uh, that was the Alan Partridge movie, Alpha Papa. Oh, oh right, 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 right. Yeah, I forgot that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I got to agree with you. It's got to be The Father, like a really emotional, well-made uh, so good, movie yeah. with amazing, amazing performances. But like Philomena, like I came away from it thinking like, well, I actually, uh, I actually like that. You know, like I, I, I thought it was going to be kind of a slog or something, but it was just, I, I watched the first 30 minutes while I was lifting weights, Caleb, and it was great. It was perfect. It was perfect <laughs> nice. to have on. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's a late period Stephen Freer's movie. Probably one of the better ones too. Uh, Florence Foster Jenkins is in there. So, uh, the program, the Lance Armstrong movie. So here's a question I want to ask you, Caleb, and cut this out if you don't like the avenue that I'm asking. And it is very late mm-hmm. in the show. I, the show's like over basically. But um, one thing is like Olivia Coleman's hair in this movie. Cause like, mm-hmm. I just think it's a very odd choice because I don't, it, I don't think that it looks good. I think that it's, it doesn't really suit her and it's crazy. And I don't know if it's like supposed to be a character choice or if she was in charge of that or it was supposed to be telling us something about her as a person or like, did, did you notice this or did you have any thoughts on this? I didn't notice her. I think she wears her hat like that and hair like that in real life all the time. I think she does wear her hair like that in real life all the time. So yeah, yeah maybe cut that like out. Fl- but I do think, I just think it doesn't, she has her hair like that, doesn't yeah. look good. It doesn't look good. And Tyrannosaur. Yeah. Okay. Well, she's always has a short hair. More power to you, Olivia <laughs> Coleman, you know? 
Um, anyway, yeah, that's the show, I guess, guys. That was it's what a go. Wait, there are two good movies, two good British movies, very popular with the Academy. Um, yeah, yeah, check out definitely if you haven't seen The Father, I would say to watch it. Yeah, The Father is uh, the one Oscar nominee movie you didn't see that you should see. Yeah, it probably sure. should win. But Way it's better. Probably than not going think. to. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knows how these things go? <laughs> Nobody fucking knows, Caleb. No one knows. Okay, thanks everybody. Peace. Goodbye. Bye. But T H O T S, um, <laughs> and then it's with the art was us looking hot as hell. Hey, I'm down for that. That sounds great. <laughs>